0: It's our prayer that this gift leaves you with a burning desire to be better and become everything God wants you to be. So if you want to live a life that overflows and blesses others, this gift is for you. Claim your free book and get free 30-day access to Dr. Greer's Growth Lab. Simply visit DGMFree.com.
1: Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow you. Yeah. Give a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Give a life bigger than yourself.
2: Welcome to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer. We're glad you decided to join us today. Remember, you can get access to this message and a full library of teaching from Dr. Greer at gracechurchva.org. As we dive deep into the Word of God, we believe that it changes us and empowers us to think big, do big, and live big. This type of living will not only impact our lives, but will inevitably bless others. So our hope is that this broadcast inspires you to live big. Here's Dr. Greer.
1: Amen. How many of you were here last week? All right, about maybe three-quarters of you. Well, this week is part two of the message from last week, so if it's hard to catch on, get last week's CD, and uh, you'll you'll be able to put the pieces together when you get home. But the background is Naomi had uh, left the covenant land, the promised land, for Moab, and they had kind of abandoned God in the middle of him disciplining the nation. They left. They left. And while they were away, tragically, her husband and her two sons died, and all that remained were her two foreign daughters-in-law. So after the death of her sons and uh, her husband, she decided that she was going to return to Israel, and uh, on the way back, at first, her daughters-in-law began, uh, left with her, but uh, you know, she, she, she looked at them and said, You know what? I'm not having any more children. I'm a little too old for all that. Uh, you know, go back to your people. Go, go back to your gods. And, and, you know, life will be easier for you back in Moab. But one of the mothers in law, sorry, uh, daughters in law, decided, You know what? I'm, I'm going to take you up on that, uh, Naomi, and I, I am going to go back. But Ruth clung. And actually, the common denominator between Ruth and, and Naomi was not just their relationship but it was ultimately Naomi's God. So let's pick up here at Ruth chapter 2 and verse 1. Ruth 2 and and, and verse 1. There was a relative of Naomi's household, a man of great wealth. He was a man of standing, a man of reputation in Judah. And he was of the family of Elimelech, uh, which was a leaning clan in Judah. And this man's name was Boaz, which literally means man of strength. So he's an example of a strong man. But we're about to discover a strong man not only knows how to take care of himself, he takes care of others. Amen. Verse two. So Ruth uh, Moabitus said to Naomi, please let me go to the field. Now, Naomi and Ruth were, were both in desperate need. Uh, they had left in famine and, and they had not uh, plowed any fields and poverty had, had, had hit the land. And they, they're really in a, in a really tough situation. But if you're waiting for God to provide, guess what? He may be waiting on you to take the first step. Dreams won't work unless you do. You have a part to play in God's plan for your life. Please let me go to the field and gleaned the heads of grain. Now, Moses in Leviticus commanded farmers not to reap the edges of the property as well as the corners. And this allowed the poor to to work those areas and harvest their own food. And and it really preserved their dignity because, you know, most people don't really want a a handout. They want a hand up. They want an opportunity. And, and what this allowed the poor to do is no one just gave them something. They they would work it in this little area that was, again, no uh, farmer, no wealthy person in Israel was supposed to eat their entire harvest. Some was supposed to be left for others, and the poor in particular. So the poor would go to that area and they would harvest their food. They would also uh, beat it and, and and separate the grain heads, et cetera, and, and they would work for it. And, and then they would uh, go on and, and have their needs met. I, I I, I'll be frank, I don't, I'm not always sure about welfare, but I do believe in workfare. You hear what I'm saying? And, and every now and then, you know, we all need a little help and everything, but but you got to preserve people's dignity and give them a chance to, to work for it. Now, some situations is absolutely not, not, not possible. But uh, by the way, that was not in my notes. Let's keep going. And glead the heads of grain after him in whose sights I may find favor. This is important now. Ruth was a foreigner to the nation, so she had a different set of eyes. And sometimes, you know, when you grow up in a place, you can kind of have a sense of entitlement. You just kind of feel that you, you deserve certain things. But, but, but she did not approach gleaning as a right. She approached it as a favor. This woman's attitude was absolutely amazing. And when you're grateful for the opportunities you have, it's very unlikely that you'll miss that opportunity. But it's when, you know, it's no big deal. No, that's when we miss up. But, but she was grateful and, and she recognized God's handprint on the country and that even the laws came from a gracious and merciful God. And she recognized that this practice was really God's grace. And she said to her, go, my daughter. Now, I don't know if Naomi was too old and it, it seems to be that way, but it's also possible that she might have also been a little bit too proud to work the corners, But but here's the deal. Ruth was willing to carry Naomi, if necessary, for a season. Not forever, but but, but for a season. But we're going to notice that God is watching. And in verse uh, 3, it says, and she happened. Now, Naomi in 1 and 16, she had already said, you know what? For wherever you go, Naomi, I go. Wherever you lodge... I lodge your people shall be my people and what your God my God now that was tantamount to you know they, they didn't have altar calls back then but for her to leave her nation to leave people that spoke her language and to go to a new nation learn a new language and, and to leave all of her family behind that was just like when we come to the altar to give our life to Jesus she was giving her life to Jehovah And she 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 had surrendered her life. But but here's the deal. When you commit to the God of this book, like Ruth did, nothing just happens anymore. The Bible says, and she what happened now in the Bible, particularly in the promised land, when you belong to God, a coincidence is really just God performing a miracle without demanding a whole lot of attention. And, but, but God is, is see, God, God, Jesus said this. Let me, let me teach you something. He said, if you see me, you see the Father. But then he, he described himself, he said, I'm meek and lowly. Jesus didn't walk everywhere demanding attention. And God is so humble. He'll do things that we'll call a coincidence and walk away almost satisfied. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because he's humble like that. But but what I, I hope you can see through this book, the many things you think are a coincidence are actually the hand of God in your life. You think it kind of just happened. No, you did not just show up here today. No, you did not just make it here today without a series of miracles that kept you. There were nights you ought to have been dead in your bed, but God kept you. There were accidents that were supposed to come your way, but he kept you. There were incidents and, and there was a robber walking right in your direction, but he kept you. You never knew it you didn't know that guy driving next to you was too much to drink and and that God just kind of kicked him in the rib right before his car went over to you had no idea you thought you just kind of made it home but you have no idea the providence and the power of God at work in a believer's life his angels are watching over me they are an assignment in my life and your life Nothing is a coincidence and nothing is by accident. Now, she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. So, again, she'd been working uh, Naomi's clan's uh, property, the the people in in her family. But then she just happened to, 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 I don't know whose property she wandered off of in order to get to his, but she just happened to walk on and begin to to glean from the field of Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> now, behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. He was a, a strong man and a hands on type of fellow. And he came to personally oversee his harvest. And when he came, he said to the reapers, this is first words, the Lord be with you, Now, his first words say a whole lot about his heart. He was a God-fearing, courteous, warm man, and he wasn't ashamed to tell people where his help came from. He said, may the Lord be with you. Nowadays, you say something like that, they'll sue you on the job, but, but he didn't care about that type of thing. And they answered him, the Lord bless you. Boaz ran the type of business that a person could be proud of. His employees greeted him with no complaints. It was just a great atmosphere to work on. And when you have godly people in authority, yes. the people rejoice. Amen. Then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? This says something else about Boaz. He wasn't so consumed with his self-importance. That he didn't notice the people around him, even those of low estate. But also, since he was a man, I think he was also probably thinking, surely someone as fine as this has to belong to somebody. Ladies, when you have God's attention, you don't have to walk around half naked to get a man's. So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said. So the foreman here actually quotes Ruth to Boaz, meaning he was listening. Someone is always listening. Yes. So someone is always watching. And I've also learned everybody has an opinion. <laughs> and as a leader, this can even drive you crazy or drive you to go deeper and to get better. There's a picture I want them to show on the screen. This picture has helped me. It says, thought about quitting, but I noticed who was watching. And you got to live like folks are watching and paying attention. It is the young Moabite woman. He's again introducing Ruth because Boaz inquired. Yeah, it's the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab, meaning her reputation preceded her. We need to live lives that preach louder than our lips. And she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little while in the house. So we see here the foreman vouched for her. It's important to have people that can vouch for you. I, a lot of people tell me how spiritual they are, but can't nobody agree with them about it. <laughs> and what the, the, the foreman is saying, yeah, she, she worked all day, and she only went into, into the tent for shade only once. She was serious about her work. Somebody said this. He said, good work will make it so you don't have to ever introduce yourself. Your work will do it for you. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now, this is important because we don't live in this time and we're a little bit removed and we're reading this narrative and we want to get on to the next point. But let's slow down here for a second. Ruth is a foreigner. Ruth is a nobody. Ruth is a peasant. She's walking with the poor. She had no authority and no ability to start a conversation with someone of the level and prominence of Boaz. How many know favor ain't fair? When God has selected you, it doesn't matter who rejected you, who neglected you, who molested you, who disrespected you. God will provide. And immediately, I like Boaz. He kind of takes control of the situation and he's the type of man, you didn't have to guess what he meant. He said, you will listen, <laughs> my daughter. Well, Boaz's heart went out to Ruth. And he calls her daughter, which is a, uh, a polite expression that an older man would, would appropriately use for a younger woman. So we recognize from the outset that he's fighting here a little bit outside of his weight. He's an older guy. She's a young woman. But he's about to teach the young fellas a few things. Pay attention. He said, do not glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. The first thing Boaz did was protect her. I know everybody's liberated, and, and I, I recognize that, you, you know, you, you can do it on your own. But I've been pastoring for more than a minute, and I've lived, you know, a little more than, you know, 30 years or so. I want to see if you were listening. Every woman wants a man to protect her like his daughter. Every woman wants a man to love her like his wife. Every woman wants a, a, a man to respect her like his mother. And in everything this man does, you see this embodied. Now watch verse 10. So she fell on her face, bowed to the ground. When you treat a good woman like a queen, (laughs) it'd just be a matter of time before she recognizes you just might be her king. Pay attention to what I'm saying here. Notice the qualifier, good woman. Because some of y'all are so bruised and so beat up. But God guy treats you nice, like, oh, I just don't feel it. There's no oomph. But a healthy woman, yes. when you treat her right, you hear what I'm saying? She'll respond. Thank you. <laughs> and then she said to him, why have I found favor in your heart? Eyes. Elizabeth Taylor famously said, don't follow her on a lot of things, okay? But she was right about this. She knows something about a man. I think she had like six or seven. It's true. She knew how to get him. Keeping him was the problem. But she said, when a woman stops blushing, she loses her most powerful charm. And you see from her response, is a blush, and she falls on her face. And she says, why have I found favor in your eyes? That you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner. So she's batting her eyes and everything, though her face is dirty, her fingernails are dirty, her clothes are sweaty. How many of you know? A smile is the best makeup a woman could ever wear. Skip to verse 14. And we're going to step into what, if I had to call this a a, a chapter, it would be advanced Mac. This guy takes us into a whole new level (laughs) of getting a woman. Now, Boaz said to her at Mealtime. So, in other words, he invited her to lunch. And she said, come here, or he said, and eat of the bread. Everybody gets hungry. Even pretty girls need to eat. <laughs> Guys, sometimes all you have to do is just something this obvious to start the wheels turning. And then he said... Now, by the way, in this setting where you are at the head of the table, you are the the head person in charge. You are a man that commands, you know, a whole lot of respect in the community, in the area. You only speak when spoken to. So in the midst of this environment, everyone's watching. He says, singles her out and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar dip your piece of bread in the vinegar I read that and I said Lord I think he's getting nasty Lord Lord didn't say anything so I don't have any revelation there But, but, but don't get so spiritual you lose your sense of adventure and your sense of fun you could be spirits without being uptight. Right. So she sat beside the reapers. This is important. Meaning he brought her around people that he knew. Here's a spoiler alert. If a man in your life never brings you around friends or family, you are the chick on the side. You don't have to guess about it. You don't have to want, you are the chick on the side. But he wanted to start this thing off right. And it continues. And he passed her parched, not not just, no, parched grain. Now, parched grain was the high-end stuff. You rubbed it in your hand, and you popped it. So, over lunch, Boaz bought some dip and a little bit of snap, crackle, and pop. Boaz was getting it done. He was old, but he still knew the game. You hear what I'm saying? And she ate and was satisfied. Ladies, if a man will not invest in you before you are married, don't think he's going to magically change after you're married. Though God can do miracles, and I've seen him do it. But typically, once a buster, always a buster. That's typically the way it works. But watch this. It it continues. It's really a love story. And she kept some back, meaning he gave her more than she could ask for. Men, make it a habit not just to meet your woman's expectation, but to exceed it. Boaz was that type of guy. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded the young man saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. He's basically saying, hands off, guys. You know, if a person will not fight for you, he's not right for you. Also, let the grain. He's, He's instructing his workers. From the bundles fall purposely for for her. So he gave her handfuls on purpose. True love is finding someone you can love without reserve. Someone you can love with and you're not worried about her getting too much and, and her taking advantage of you. You've
2: been listening to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer, the radio broadcast ministry of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live big. Listen to this message and much more from Dr. Greer for free at gracechurchva.org. We also invite you to join Dr. Greer and the Grace Church family here in Dumfries, Virginia, not far from Quantico Marine Base. We would love to meet you and have you join us for worship, teaching, and fellowship every Sunday and Wednesday. Get directions, service times, and much more at gracechurchva.org. That's our time for today. Join us weekdays at this time for the teaching ministry of Dr. Derek Greer. And remember, until next time, live big.
1: God wants you to live a life that's big a life that's bigger than yourself and inspired by the vision he has just for you. The challenge is that sometimes we get stuck on the journey. Things become stagnant and, and keep us from living up to our full potential. We know that sometimes you know, things need to change, but we just don't know what or how. When this happens, the, the big question we must ask ourselves is how do I get unstuck? How do I break free from these limitations? To help you identify where you are on your journey, to Living Big, I've developed an assessment tool that will reveal where you are and, and where you're stuck. Based on your individual results, this tool will point you toward resources that are going to help you remove barriers and, and keep you moving forward. This assessment is completely free. Not only that, once you complete the assessment, you'll be directed to a page where you can claim a free copy of my brand new book, 120 Minutes to Live Big. Don't settle for mediocrity. Live Big. Let's get started by visiting canilivebig.com and let's visit it today. That's canilivebig.com.